Welcome to The Spawn Chunks, episode number 250 for Monday, June 19th, 2023. My name is Joel Duggan, and joining me, as always, is Johnny, also known as Pixelriffs of the Minecraft Survival Guide Season 3. Hello, sir. Hello, it has been kicking off, and we've kicked off this show already in the Render Distance, the extended version of the podcast that our patrons can listen to. You can get the extended version of the show from patreon.com slash thespawnchunks, signing up and pledging to join our little community of folks, our big community these days, actually. It's it's really nice to have this amount of people listening to the show live every week, and we've so far been talking about our summer habits, uh, the, how the plants in my garden are growing, uh, how they're adjusting to the sun better than I am, going camping and uh, other sorts of things. So a uh, very outdoorsy episode of The Render Distance, um, which you can get from, once again, patreon.com slash thespawnchunks. This week is our chunk mail dispenser episode, so that's something our patrons unlocked a while ago. We take this episode to focus on emails from the community and what the discussion around the current Minecraft update is, specifically today. Our monthly Minecraft hangout this month is going to be delayed by a few days, so we're going to have that on the very last day of June, Friday, June 30th, to accommodate a couple of other, other schedule changes. And I believe in July we should have our next quarterly hangout where the patrons can get facts and figures, the behind-the-scenes details of what's going on with the podcast numbers-wise, how many listeners we're getting on different platforms and how the YouTube channel is doing, that kind of stuff. So if you're interested, once again, patreon.com slash thespawnchunks. So what have you been up to in Minecraft this week, my friend? Oh boy, a whole lot. My my life has been very busy, Minecraft-wise. Uh, the survival guide continues apace. I am very happy with my starter house, and uh, unseen to the audience as of yet, but uh, something I've been working on today is a second house in a pretty similar style that's uh, part of an episode all about fishing. So I've been uh, playing around with some stuff I wanted to build with in the 1.20 block palette. I got all of the different wood types that I was mentioning last week, so... This time around, I've got myself like a moss and bamboo roof style. Um, the, the bamboo blocks go really well with moss, and I've seen a few people in our community building with like full roofs of the bamboo blocks, so I already liked the idea of that, and I wanted to work it into my own style. And over by my cherry mountain, kind of facing the mountain, I built my proper starter house that's not just a kind of, you know, wooden tent that I started off with, with a stone stone brick foundation, so it's got a nice little basement in there that I'm now sorting all of my storage into. It's got a, you know, raised ground floor, uh, so you kind of go up a staircase to go in the front door, and the roof space is now where my enchanting setup is. So I'm starting to move stuff around, feel it out a little bit. I'm not entirely sold on the staircase up. Uh, I think I might end up revisiting that and reworking it because it's just a big, chunky stone brick staircase, and I think it doesn't quite suit the build very well. I've had a couple of people recommend a few things to uh, to change that up, so we'll have to see how that ends up looking a few episodes down the line. Um, but then the, the fishing shack that I put together today used a similar moss and bamboo kind of thing, uh, a few more like stripped birch walls and that kind of stuff. So I'm kind of having having fun with that, working a few a few fun details in. Um, the storage in the basement is coming together very well. That's my my first use of like the bamboo signs and stuff like that to label everything. Um, I've been fishing for XP, so I've gotten some some early game uh, XP from that and a bunch of enchanted books now. So I can start to talk about combining stuff and re-enchanting things and grindstoning off the enchantments you don't want and that kind of stuff. The rest of the week is going to be a skeleton spawner farm uh, probably on Thursday and then going to the nether for the first time on Friday. So I'm a little apprehensive to figure out what my nether spawn is going to be like, but we'll we'll see which way the cookie crumbles. Man, you're moving at a pace. Yeah, I mean, I have to at this point in the game because I want to get to all of the new stuff, but it's right. slow going, right? Like, it's the kind of thing where I want to rush out and go and find a sniffer and do some archaeology and get all of the armor trim and go raid an ancient city and all of the stuff that's still kind of fresh in people's minds. But I need to get established before that, and I'm, I'm trying not to rush ahead and, like, have shulker boxes before I've even got a decent <clears throat> settlement built, you know? Like, I, I think I, I need to have an excuse to go and do that stuff. And so I'm playing more the way that you might expect somebody who's relatively new to Minecraft to play. Get established in one place before you really go too far afield. Before I start making mob farms and all of that stuff, I'm, I'm trying to to pace myself a little bit. But I'm still making a video every weekday. So the, uh, the, the progress is 
slow and steady at this point in the game. I've made that mistake when I've been playing modded and because I've had years at endgame Minecraft on the Citadel and then I go to play modded and I just I end up skipping chunks of progression, you know, like because modded kind of sometimes nudges you in that direction. And mm -hmm. then and, and, and in the same way that new features do in like a new Minecraft update like 1.20 and you start to go straight at the cool thing that you want. And then after a while, you're like you reach a bottleneck. and You're just like, well, wait a minute. What do you mean? I need like. Why am I out of cobblestone? It's like, oh, because I haven't mined anything. Like yeah. I haven't actually done the whole like iron diamond, you know, I, why don't I have any coal for furnaces? Because I haven't done any mining. Like just the basic stuff that you feel like you've, you're in modded and you're, you'll skip over or in Minecraft 1.20, you're excited for archaeology. So you'll skip over. And then you're just like, wait a minute. Why is my, like, why am I doing this without proper tools? Like, why am I not, you know, because for example, like I could see myself getting into archaeology before I take the time to get enchant stuff set up yeah. because of how mm -hmm. long it takes to get books and you know early game books and leather and stuff is, is a bit of a grind it's not like a terrible grind but it's like it's a bit it's, it's time consuming and, yeah. and if you don't have that set up you can you can have all the best intentions and then hit a roadblock like and be like oh wait i, I forgot that i needed a lot of this thing and that takes forever to grow i should yeah. have planted that before i went you know mining underground or walking around and so i it's nice i think it's always a nice reminder with the minecraft survival guide that you you take your time, you know, like you, you pace yourself to the point where like I'm setting myself up for success later and thus also setting up people that are learning to play Minecraft via the series for success later, which is, I think, one of the things that's nice about that rather than the rushing through it or the fact that, oh, yeah, I just played Minecraft for six hours and I didn't show you any of it. And now we're just we're here, you know, and I, yeah. I think it's, it's yeah. more important to take your time with that kind of stuff. I definitely felt it with my early caving expeditions not having diamond tools and stuff and i kind of went well i could just go and branch mine off camera for a few hours and come back with some diamonds but the way i wanted to approach it was you get a diamond pickaxe you get enough stuff for an enchantment table then you go back to your house and you're like okay i need to get levels so i can enchant some of this stuff and then i go back with fortune and i get more diamonds that way so i know where a few other pockets of diamond ore are but i haven't mined any of them yet and so the flip side to that is i need to you know, farm lots of wood so that I can build nice houses and like kind of stretch my building legs a little bit and try out some new stuff. But then I'm going through about 50 iron axes before I get a diamond one. Like, I don't know how many of them I've gone through at this point, but I decided to build this house out of stripped logs. Well, first I've got to get all of the logs taken down. You know, I've got to chop trees for the, for the first place. And then I've got to strip all of the birch when it goes into the walls of this house. And suddenly I realize that I've gone through my fourth or fifth axe on just this build. And I'm like, oh, I need some unbreaking diamond tools suddenly. I need mending so that I don't have to worry about this stuff anymore. And of course, through fishing, I was able to fish up a mending bow and a mending fishing rod, but I don't have any of the books yet. So I can't apply that to my other tools until I've done a bit more exploring, maybe found a village. I'm trying to pace myself with that stuff. It is occasionally painful as somebody who's used to the late game. But uh, yeah, oh, yeah, I think I think we're going to do okay. I think it's it's been a really nice, cozy start. I'm in love with the terrain of this world. I think I might have mentioned it last week, but there's a really cool, like, grotto-style, pirate cove-style cave around the back of that big cherry mountain that I'm planning on doing more stuff with. And I feel like what I've learned from playing on Empires is build stuff in creative first. If we, I don't have access to Lightmatica yet, so I'm working based on screenshots, but I'm a lot happier with my builds just because I took a couple of hours in the evening to like sketch out something in creative and go, okay, is this the way I want this to look? And I'm a lot happier with that than I am winging the builds in survival. So I think I found a much more comfortable flow with building and using creative as like a tool to assist that and then rebuilding it in survival later. Right on. I feel like you might have uh, solved your own problem with the fisherman's house that you've you've shared in our, our live discord. And we'll have, of course, pictures on the spawnchunks.com later. But the the staircase or the the dock sort of situation with the fisherman's hut is more in proportion with the the hut than the stone staircase is with your yeah. starter house and i think that's what the starter house needs is either more wood happening in the staircase or if at some point as we all you know run into the starter house needs expansion then another building or another wing would probably help balance out that existing stone staircase. So even if it stays the same size by expanding the, the house a bit or something next to it, you know, whether it's a well or, you know, a shed or something, um, just having 
more player made stuff around it would maybe would maybe help that i i, I think uh, because i re i really like what the what you've done with the the thematic kind of like moss roof with the bamboo and and all that kind of stuff it works very well in, in both builds the bamboo almost looks like it's the bound section of like a thatch or a or a reed roof yeah. you know like where it all looks like green grass that's been tied together and stacked but then like the bamboo looks like the part where the the player would have bound it all in string it's all being braced yeah. by that yeah yeah like yeah, that's yeah. So, sort of what cool. i'm what i'm aiming for and i think with hay bales still not quite being something that i like as a thatch roof texture i do think the the bamboo works well as a a fun little little compromise to that i also love having stuff growing all over a roof which is much more possible when you've got a moss roof and i think it's it's kind of fun throwing in just bone mealing a couple of times and then grabbing some flowers from the area and chucking those on as well one thing i haven't added to the roof of the fishing shack that's built in survival the picture i gave you is the one from creative i want to bring the pink petals from my cherry mountain and kind of dot those around the roof occasionally as though some of it just has like little weeds and kind of summer flowers kind of popping up in there and i think those those are going to be really good playing around with those in creative i reminded myself that those are not just you know multiple flowers occupying one block and you can have different levels of them they're also directional yeah. so mm -hmm. whichever way you're facing it changes the pattern and so you can you can do so much with that i mean I, I imagine resource pack makers are going absolutely wild for them but you can also do some really really neat stuff varying the orientations of them to make it not look so obvious and patterny so I'm, I'm planning on doing a bit more with those at some point but that involves me getting back up onto this roof without really having talked about scaffolding yet or having ender pearls or elytra or anything i'd normally use for vertical travel when i was out of early game so it's still early days but it's going very very well that directional thing is something i wish that they would apply to things like sea pickles and candles because there's a lot yeah, of times in west yeah. where i'll place a couple of candles down where two candles is what i want on the table but because of the way that the table is facing when you walk into the room you only see one candle because yeah, they the big line candles up in front yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they line up you're like well what i need i don't want three there i want two especially if they're lit up because sometimes if you're if you're dealing with what you know in, in i think this the situation it was like a table at a pub or something like that and three candles in minecraft on a table it's most of the table. There doesn't look to be any room for even your beer. So yeah. you know, two candles or one can one candle looks a little bit funny, but two candles seems to be about right because they don't take up a lot of space in another direction. But because of that, the way that they're oriented on the world grid as opposed to uh, as to the way the player faces, you can't change which way they face. You kind of have to choose. And I've actually made the change of like, well, maybe I won't put candles on that table and I'll put them on another table where I can see them properly. And then ended up putting up something else on that table depending on, on what it was but uh i'm looking forward to messing around with uh, with the, the cherry blossoms what are they called petals pink petals that's what they're called pink, pink petals, petals. Right? yeah is the, the yeah, official yeah. name for them people are just gonna call them you know whatever i feel like yeah yeah everyone knows what you're talking about and uh yeah so you, you've not updated the citadel to 1.20 yet is that still on the cards is that still happening soon Yes, that's happening this Wednesday, as far as I can tell. Uh, oh, cool. Most of the um, performance mods and the quality of life mods have been updated. Some of them are, have been updating this whole time. Like my minimap mod, which is probably one of the biggest ones that I always make sure is, is going to be running. Uh, that has been um, updated all along the way. And, and so uh, we'll be updating on on wednesday and part of it is just like even if not all of the things are ready i'm still going to update anyway because well wednesday i don't play minecraft i play satisfactory so that gives me a buffer in, in case anything goes wrong um and i don't have to have it done by like one o'clock when i'm going to stream so i can i can take my time and do it that way and um cosmic was nice enough to check some of our mods and make sure that we've got links to either not cursed forge or um or make sure that they're virus free and the developers have you know kind of said that so i'm not looking at, at anything too hairy i don't think plus we don't have a lot of mods it's mostly data packs honestly and that's probably going to take the longest time to decide what data packs we're keeping decide which data packs uh i need to update like i've got one that has like wood in the um in the in the stone cutter and so i have to go back and i have to add bamboo and i have to add cherry wood into that to kind of keep it consistent and all that kind of stuff so and that'll take a little bit of time out of my day because that's not i don't write it from scratch but i use some online tools to make it and it's just time consuming because you have to have the recipes and everything for you know stairs and slabs and stripped logs and like the whole nine yards 
So, so that'll take a little bit of time. Uh, but in the meantime, what I've been doing is uh, taking a break from the keep because I think what I've decided is that I want to um, update the keep with 1.20 blocks. Like I want to have access to potentially uh, cherry tree saplings, you know, in flower pots as decoration. I definitely want to have access to chiseled bookshelves. Uh, to have that kind of control in some of the more fancier rooms, you know, in in the keep, and so that's kind of what I'm waiting for and why I'm pushing to update on on Wednesday. Uh, in the meantime, though, I took a break, which was a nice break from all the stone and the 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 building that I've been doing in the keep for a very long time, and I just kind of went out into um, the countryside just outside of West Hill, which is on my to do list. Like one of the things I have on this to do list is like surrounding countryside. Like I want to put a graveyard, and there's a couple of roads that aren't done that need to be connected, and things like that. Things that you can see when you're standing on the wall of the town that kind of make it feel strange that the town is finished, but then the surrounding countryside is just like there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, and some of this uh, along the North Road heading towards West Hill uh, it was unfinished vanilla Minecraft generation. And I'm talking like 114, 115, definitely pre-Caves and Clips. And yeah. so like we had square, like four block high dirt walls and caves that just kind of went nowhere. And uh, I've smoothed out the rivers in terms of where the rivers go but i haven't smoothed out all of the river banks so there were still some very jagged kind of like strange looking things that didn't make sense there so what i've done is basically like went around and uh used the mini map and the map mod that i have zero's mini map and zero's world map which is just a fantastic you know tool visually to be able to look down topographically and see oh there's the top of the hill there's the next layer down there's where it starts to kind of bleed into the river and if you you know work it all with curves in minecraft in terms of like counting up steadily in terms of block numbers as you go in one direction and then back down the other similar to how circles are made in any kind of template in minecraft um and you do kind of like the pixel art kind of rules of like oh either steadily counting up or steadily counting down without like going back and forth between the two you end up with these nice clean lines that still looks pretty natural. It still looks like rolling hills. It still looks like it could be rolling farmland or something like that. And so that's all I really did uh, outside of the keep uh, this week was I didn't plant crops. I, I put down like a cobblestone wall, just one high, just kind of like this is where a farm will go eventually. Now, this is not on my to-do list to finish before I call West Hill finished, but but I wanted to have like the area defined so that if myself or somebody else in the server wants to build a farmhouse, you know, along the road that they know, okay, well, this is where the road is. This is where Joel has decided that the property line is just in terms of the proximity to West Hill. And um, it, it's surprising how much better just, just the walk up to West Hill feels now that you're looking at such a finished build in terms of the face, the north face of West Hill. And then now that I've smoothed out the, the, the countryside and I just kind of not the farmland because I, I would have to undo it anyway. But on the hill on the left hand side going up towards the keep, I just ran around with some bone meal and just kind of spam bone meal here and there. Cut down a couple of two tall grass towers. But like other than that, I just kind of I just made it look like it wasn't completely barren because, of course, by mining it up and changing the topography, a lot of the grass and a lot of the flowers ended up being destroyed or picked up. Yeah. Yeah. So, so I just kind of like dusted it with a temporary spam of, of um, bone meal just to kind of make it look a little bit more natural. And eventually the farmland will be there. I kind of want to put maybe like a winery or something there. So like, I kind of want to put, you know, maybe not traditional Minecraft crops, but maybe I want to build something that looks like, you know, grapes on a trellis or maybe I'll use like cave vines and and glow berries just for fun, just for something weird, because it's supposed to be kind of medieval fantasy. So we'll see. Um, But I I don't have any plans as of yet, uh, other than just like the location roughly of where the farmhouse will be and the perimeter and how I wanted the, the walkway to feel. I'm starting to get ideas for where I want the trees to be, that kind of a thing. And there is still a very large area of grass and nothing outside the front of West Hill. And so um, that's probably going to be a swamp. That was, I think, Sweet Sandy in my chat that suggested that. And I really like the idea of the swamp kind of draining off into the river to the west. And um, at the moment, it still looks fairly, fairly empty. So there are still some outside of the town things that are on the do list that I will want to take care of. Um, but for now, um, I've just been kind of like trying to back up and look at West Hill as a whole rather than being so focused on the keep. So I have kind of this nice 
dual to-do list now where I can go outside the town and I can do some landscaping if I just want to chill stream or if I don't have a lot of time like if I had, I had a couple streams this weekend where I only had a couple of hours and it's not quite enough to like dive into like texturing something or like building a new interior or things that you know are going to take three hours plus because they just they end up being so time consuming and and so this is kind of like a nice way to kind of just add some stuff to the end now on sunday i did kind of pull the trigger on the exterior of the keep i've decided that i'm happy with the way that the keep looks i think that you know coming into the keep from the south and from um, other angles it really feels now like it's a, a big important part of the central uh, town which is great uh, and so now i'm starting to do the final block textures on the south facing wall that's the, the the face that is along the West Hill River. It's the tallest face. It's the thing that's got like, I think I talk, talked about it last week where it's got like 30 to 40 blocks from from river level up to the, the first roof line. Uh, and so I've been adding in uh, my first attempt at a real gradient. Uh, so it's slow going. And even at the scale that I'm building at, I'm finding that I'm running out of room. So you really have to tip your hat to the folks that make these gradients on their big builds and, and have them work because the build has to be enormous for this to look really, really smooth. And the amount of um, dithering, for the lack of a better word, it's a, it's a pixel art term, but the, the amount of kind of speckling and, and spreading and gradual transition from one block to another that you have to do in Minecraft for this to look really smooth is, is tough. You have to have a large face to do it on. I'm dealing with maybe about 12 blocks it gets deeper, but then of course it goes underwater and you can't see all the work that I'm doing anyway. So, um, but around the river line, I've got mud, I've got smooth basalt, I've got regular basalt, the face of it, not the smooth side, but the stuff that looks like cobblestone. And then I've got deep slate into tough, into cobblestone. And in some places I'm even going into like cracked stone bricks and maybe some andesite, but the, the apse of the main hall is all andesite on the face to make it look shiny. So I'm not going to be putting any andesite in this underlying wall. Now, thankfully I have an overhang, so it, it has a nice cap on it. I don't have to worry about taking this gradient and working it into the rest of the keep. There's a nice like geometrical border that caps it. And I'm pretty happy with it. I haven't done the whole thing. The only part that's really done in the screenshots that I'll share is the part on the right-hand side underneath the arch. Uh, the stuff that's next to and above the river has been like sketched in roughly. And as a tip, this is just my first time doing this. What I did was I did a deep slate layer, a tough layer, and a cobblestone layer. And I did them all kind of like a rough idea of like kind of uneven lines knowing that I would be going back in with all these other blocks and kind of speckling things around and trying to make it look smoother. But the fact that I had like a base, like light, medium, dark to start with really helped. I found it really gave me a nice line to say, okay, don't put the mud any higher than here, you know, and, and uh, make sure that you pull some of that tough down into the darker section. So it doesn't look like a hard line. And uh, it's tough. It's, it's tough. Pardon the pun because, <laughs> uh, some blocks have such a hard edge that you can't put them up into the lighter blocks because then they yeah. just look like a real contrast. And so you have to kind of like the darkest thing you can get at in the lighter blocks is basically like deep slate, which is kind of like a, a gray. It's not really dark, dark. If you take basalt or or um, mud and you move it up into the tough, it stands out like a sore thumb and it doesn't work yeah. at all. Yeah, and, for sure. And yeah, so it was a little bit tricky, but I'm, I'm having fun with it. It's one of those things where I'm almost procrastinating a little bit with the the finishing up Westell just because of of how long these final tasks are going to take like when you think like oh yeah i'm just going to texture the keep and you're like the keep is enormous like yeah, oh, this yeah. is going to be <laughs> four or five days of just doing this so like i'm trying to bite off chunks you know and trying to switch things up um and i'm also trying to decide what to do with this this green south lawn so I, i'd love for any feedback from you or from anybody in our in our live chat about what i might be able to do here but right now the plan for this green chunk that's next to uh this area of the keep which used to be a road but is no longer going to really have access right now the plan is just to add similar plants to what i've done on uh or near the west tower the, the west gate which is just to have like some vines or some plants that kind of like trickle down into the river and kind of like cover up the fact that the keep meets this weird dirt patch and just doesn't do anything. And 
I'm just struggling with how much and how big to make these these brush plants and vines because of course whatever I do is going to cover up all the gradient that I'm doing right now. So yeah, I'm I'm trying not to spend too much time on the gradient without knowing exactly how I'm going to handle the plants. But like, how would you handle like the the gradient of the keep uh, texture meeting like the hard grass line and the hard um, river line at the base? I think I'd put a tree there. Honestly, like okay. I'd, I'd, I'd want to have like a, a willow tree kind of overhanging the water or mm. something like that. Maybe it's kind of like a focal point for people wandering around the grounds of the keep if it's something that they would have foot access to. Um, just like a cool spot that they could go and chill by the water potentially. But I feel like there's, there's stuff like that in castles, especially castles that have like watery components to them. There's places for people to go and sit and reflect without having to go out into the town or really leave the castle grounds. So... Maybe that's something you can do. I think, honestly, yeah, having a, a drop-off point there even for stuff that's coming down the river, if goods are smuggled into the keep that way, or if, you know, they've got to load in supplies for a feast and there's no way to do that other than the front gate, maybe some other stuff makes sense to come down the river. There's there's a few, a few options, but I'm sure you'll find the right thing. And it's a shame to have to build something in front of a gradient that you've spent so much time on, but that's also the way this works <laughs> you know like mm -hmm. yeah. you're, you're built you're building up layers of detail you'll be used to this by now it's going to be obscured from one angle or the other but the way you're building especially with these gradients and and worrying about which blocks are going to stand out next to which you're obviously building with the player standing right next to it and it not looking too weird as opposed to from a distance where you could put some of those uh darker blocks higher up in the lighter parts mm -hmm. of material because if you're going to be looking at it just from further away then that stuff's not really going to stand out as much it's just going to become part of the bigger picture so the fact that you're building with the player experience being right up next to this wall in mind anyway means that people aren't going to miss the gradient of that wall if they're just wandering down there to get to the little spot by the river where the tree is or whatever you happen to settle on yeah there is a spot it's not in the screenshot but it's just outside the tower there's kind of like a little wharf that's just to the right hand side actually it is kind of in the screenshot it's, just, it's in the shadow of the sun but yeah i thought something like that would be good there i never thought about a tree though that could be interesting i'd have to make sure that the tree wouldn't make the the bridge to the tower not feel as tall yeah sometimes sure. i find if you put put stuff underneath it it would pull away from it but yeah a tree or so, like something has to happen and one of the nice things too is i could put the tree like right on the shore like it could be one of those trees that has its roots like dangling into the river yeah, absolutely that kind of a thing could be could be good too maybe not um, the height of a mangrove tree but at least the style no, of a mangrove yeah tree, like, where there's kind that of like, kind of a thing yeah, yeah definitely something custom and, and i probably err on the side of being smaller or i could also kind of push it to be up against the tower more than up against the keep but still visually in front of the keep there's a yeah uh, i like the i'll play around with the t uh, a tree and, and obviously mangrove leaves look so good for things like willows or any kind of drooping yes kind yeah of hanging over hanging over things so um but yeah so that i mean that's what i've been up to in in west hill um we did mention last week that you and i were going to meet up with archaeoplays and olraf and do some some digging and uh, we did that and i thought yes. that was a, a great success and a, a lot of fun um we uh, that was tuesday of last week yes and um i don't know if you've put anything on youtube because you you, the, you don't necessarily do the vod stuff i have a vod from my perspective that's up on joel duggan vods on my youtube channel for my my twitch vods uh, that covers my perspective but um it's it's a four hour stream and and like so informative um and not necessarily something that you'd have to sit down and watch because i feel like depending on what perspective you're you're looking at there would probably just be a lot of like stone clearing or digging or some sort of slow methodical stuff um, but having it on i think in the background and listening to Alraf and Archaeoplays talk about archaeology from the game development standpoint as far as Minecraft concerns and of course as from an archaeological standpoint uh, as Archaeoplays is an archaeologist in real life. Um, really informative and really interesting to see the push and pull of like real life archaeology versus gameplay experience and then to to be able to do that with those two uh, I think was a real treat. Um, for me from just an informative way about archaeology because I don't know really much about archaeology outside of what Archaeoplace has taught us over the last little while yeah um, but then also hearing how it's been adapted to to function within Minecraft I think is was really really cool 
Yeah, and uh, the my VOD will probably be online at some point, but I have a big backlog of my VOD's channel, so maybe I can prioritize getting that one out so people can see from my perspective as well. But that's cool. still going to be on Twitch for the next, like, 60 days, so people can go there if they're yes. okay yeah. using Twitch. And, yeah, I, I found it incredible. It's honestly a process that I will probably repeat when i find a trail ruins in survival guide and uncover the entire thing we dug a trench around the entire perimeter of this as far as we could find it seemed like we had reached the boundaries of the structure itself we dug down from the top where we found the tallest part of the ruins the the kind of tower and each time we found suspicious gravel we ended up marking where it was and what we had found using a system of colored concrete and signs, the kind of stuff that was obviously not part of the structure. And we ended up with, I want to say like 60 plus, maybe close to 100 even, different artifacts and things that we had found there. And the whole time, uh, obviously, Archaeoplace has a, a wealth of knowledge when it comes to this stuff. So, you know, they were talking all about the processes that happen in the real world and all Raph was chipping in about how those were emulated and one of the pieces of common ground there was that archaeology in Minecraft is meant to feel slow. I think this was one of my takeaways from it that I feel like the community could really benefit from understanding is that normally Minecraft's gameplay has a tendency to be very hit and run. You know, you come to a place, you raid the treasure room of a desert temple, you move on really quickly. Like, you're, you're in and out within a minute if you know what you're doing. And with archaeology, it's meant to be a lot more like real-world archaeology, where it takes several days at least to even get started on something like this. You know, you are going to be there digging slowly, brushing slowly in this case, and you're going to be uncovering everything piece by piece. You have to be careful about what you do with the suspicious gravel blocks in case they fall and the object inside breaks and they just revert to normal gravel. And you're meant to be considerate to your environment and you're meant to feel more like a steward of the area and and a lot of the mechanics have been tailored to make sure you can't just go through and do this quickly or if you do you're not going to get nearly as much out of it as you would when you were much more careful with it and so that's a really interesting approach to take and a really interesting consideration when a lot of speculation happens about the way the minecraft team develops stuff and how they think about features when they're implementing them and i think there's a lot of consideration a lot of care and a lot of time has gone into making sure that this feels like archaeology and not just a simulation of archaeology or a parody of archaeology in a video game like it, it feels a lot more real i think as a result so major props to the team really and thanks again to archaeoplace for inviting us to do this and it's been a uh, a really fun eye-opening look at what the trail ruins are like and what archaeology is like especially with a team and it's going to be fun seeing if people team up to tackle these structures on servers or if people decide to uncover them solo but i'm looking forward to finding my next one and i think that's a really good takeaway as well i know i mentioned um, this last week when i was talking about mining for ancient debris but anything that has a slower pace like this in, in minecraft i think is way more fun to do with friends and and I think too that when we were talking about like what we found and then speculating because of what we found, what these individual structures within the trail ruin might have been used for. I think one was supposed to be a sauna just because everybody's <laughs> got an imagination and we're like, we're being a little bit goofy, but also trying to really trying to be, you know, logical about it, but also trying to just think about, okay, well, what's sky's the limit here? Let's use our imaginations a bit. And I think that could be even more fun when you've got someone else to bounce off of, you know, like if you, you've got an idea about what it could be, but then somebody else comes out completely left field and that could either inform or kind of like create a story based on what you found because you're collaborating with someone else's imagination. And I think that's a, that's a fun way to approach it too, because like you said, it is, is, it is more of a slow methodical thing. And I think sharing that, even if it's just, if you're doing it solo, even sharing it via stream, I think would be a good way to, to do it as well, because then you can kind of like slow down and talk about what you found. And I love the idea of marking what you found and, and having like a, uh, what did, what did Archaeoplace call it? Like a, a day, a day book. I think it was like a day book yeah. or a day log or something like that, where you basically journal about what you found. Mm -hmm. um, and, and, and sometimes humorous because it's like more dye. I found more dye today. Because <laughs> yes. a yeah, lot yeah. of what I found was like blue or yellow dye, like over and over and over again, where you guys were finding like pottery sherds and like in wooden hose. I was like, I'm finding dye. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so yeah. I was in, I was in the, uh, the, the textiles, I guess, area of the, uh, of the uh, trail ruin. 
Yeah, but then the we, we did end up nicknaming the area where we found the relic music disc the DJ Tower and stuff. Right. So there's like yes. yeah, there's there's yeah. there's fun little ideas that you can cook up as you go, and there's always the option of restoring some of these structures to what you think they might have looked like. We'd identified that they were using white terracotta as a roof block in areas where it was obvious right. that the yep. roof had mm-hmm. like fallen through, and several of the structures all used it as a roof block. So you can take that and start to run with that wonder about maybe some materials that have decayed if they haven't stood up you know in the way that all of the the bricks and the kind of more like baked and stone um building materials have been so you can you can play around with that stuff and it provides the same thing that minecraft provides on a macro scale a sandbox for you to kind of impose your own approaches and your own desires onto so really fun experience would do again will do again i'm sure at some point um but for now what do you say we move on into the news Sure, there is not a whole lot of news, but there is at least one (laughs) bullet point that we can uh, send your way. Minecraft Java Edition 1.20.1 has been released, arrived on June 12th, right after we recorded last week's show. The changelog is the same as the release candidate, which we did discuss on the last week's show. So there's really not a whole lot to cover here. We'll have a link to the full article on Minecraft.net in our show notes. Um, I haven't seen anything suggesting another patch. So hopefully with the performance and quality of life mods on the Citadel uh, being up to date, uh, that will facilitate my update on Wednesday to to 1.20 because I have been a bit jealous. Like I feel like I've seen more and more people now either updating their servers or or doing a hardcore playthrough or, or something uh, in 1.20 uh, or yourself doing like your new your new um, the Minecraft survival guide season. And for me, like I just I've I'm having a little bit of like fear of missing out. So I'm, I'm glad that it seems to be stable and we're moving forward and, and I can apply some stuff with the mods. It's always that kind of push and pull of like what you deal with when you have a decent amount of mods on a server for quality of life or performance so that you kind of have to wait for the dust to settle after an update. You can't necessarily go in day one um, unless you're, of course, okay with like all of these things not functioning and you're just going to go right back to vanilla Minecraft for the time being. Um, but uh, But I'm looking forward to it. Uh, and and seeing what I can get done in, in 1.20 in West Hill. Yeah, I uh, I don't really have any notes. I think it, it's it's good that we've got 1.20.1 to fix a couple of crashes, but the experience has been much the same as it was day one of 1.20 for me. It's all been functioning just fine. I haven't really noticed any performance changes. My PC is pretty overpowered to be playing Minecraft because I need it for video editing and all that other stuff. But I think it's... Uh, yeah, it's, it's been doing pretty well. I gather from what I've heard, just kind of community buzz, the changes to the lighting engine have really helped a lot of people's performance in the same way that running stuff like sodium and phosphor uh, have been. So uh, hopefully now with sodium and I think Optifine, if not updated, then at least on the way, anybody who's still having performance issues with Minecraft should be able to resolve them. And I think Hermitcraft is now on 1.20 and they've updated with all of the you know, additional mods and add-on kind of stuff that they use. So, uh, you know, anybody who is masquerading as a vanilla server with a couple of mods on the side really has no excuse at this point. (laughs) I'm on the fence about making any major changes. I'm on the lookout for a couple of new data packs or or mods just as i usually do i kind of like review like is the mod i'm using for that thing the best one like or Mm -hmm. could i use something because and oftentimes i'm looking for something that would be stripped down like uh, i'll have a mod that will do way more than i want to do and i only use it for one particular thing and if i can find a lighter one or something that has less of a modded feel and more of like oh we just tweaked this one little thing you know um then i'll do it the one thing i'm on the fence about is is tweaking the texture on bamboo specifically i think stripped bamboo um, the be- the beigey green color, not the full on green green color, mm-hmm. um, and and that's because I've seen some people uh, on YouTube where they've changed it so it lines up a little bit better with plank textures in terms of just like the 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 way that they line up horizontally so that you can use bamboo within your builds and have it not look completely out of place. I don't know if I want to do that. Like, there's a few blocks I've made some changes with. Like earlier in the in the podcast, you mentioned that you don't like the way that hay bales look as a thatch roof in Minecraft, and I agree with you because default green hay bales in Minecraft they look gross, and they might actually match bamboo, like raw green bamboo, better now because of of having that block in there. But when you want to put them in a what is supposed to look like a dried thatch roof, they don't look very good at all so i've got a custom hay bale texture and then i can use that with like sand and stripped birch and like 
oak and I can have all these textures and it works very well, but it only works because I have that texture pack. If you looked at my fat roofs in vanilla, they would look really gross. Like I, mm -hmm. I don't think they would work at all. So, so I've done it. Like I've, I've taken that leap before for a very specific block for a very specific use, but I just haven't decided yet if I want to, uh, do anything with bamboo. And I think back to our earlier conversation, it's probably because like, I want to work with it as it is and see if I get frustrated with it or see if I find a use case for it. We're like, oh, no, no, this this works well in this situation. And this would be why I don't want to change it. Um, so but I, I just like I said, I haven't had a chance to, to mess with it. I am collecting bamboo in the background, though. So there's that. Yeah. Yeah. On, on the subject of data packs, since you mentioned that, I've been following a couple of data pack creators on Twitter for a while. And uh, Voodoo Beard posted one the other day, which has the wandering trader bring you armor trim as an option um is either oh, wow. one of one of the 16 trims or the netherite upgrade template and it basically guarantees that whenever you see a wandering trader they are going to have a randomized smithing template um so that's a really good option for people who don't want to go traveling for all of them or might find that on a server somebody's going to go around and get them all from the generated structures and hoard them instead of being able to distribute them to the community they are clonable with diamonds obviously so you can create more of them but some people are just going to stockpile them and you know be stingy about giving them out so there's options like that out there people are already adapting 1.20 features to some data pack stuff that might be better for quality of life on larger communities or even people who just don't want to experience the update like fully as intended you know people who don't want to go out in there and you know reign an ancient city just to find the the good looking armor trims so keep your eyes peeled because there'll be more to come i'm sure speaking of how people are experiencing the 1.20 update our first email is actually along those lines do you want to tackle this one Absolutely. Uh, if you'd like to email the show, the email address is spawnchunkmail at gmail.com. We'd love to get more opinions about what you guys are enjoying, maybe what you have some more critical feedback on uh, for from Minecraft 1.20. This one comes in from Zenith, who is a landscape artist member of our Discord, and the subject is Base in a Box, aka 1.20 Thoughts. Good day, Pix and Joel. I've been playing a new realm in the 1.20 update, and I want to share my quick thoughts. It feels like Mojang has done a decent job at encouraging us to explore the world more, and I've been finding myself exploring more than building, which is unusual for me. I've taken to utilizing a raft with chest, and figuring out the materials I need to create temporary bases instead of settling down. Things like bamboo for wood, and its many varieties, I love the mosaic option, a few crops I want to grow for food, several decorations, and then a crafting table and a furnace. I set everything up, go explore, then come back, harvest the crops and the wood, and take down my mini shelter, throw it back into the raft, and head off. I've had to create a small space to drop my loot near spawn, a compass in Bedrock Edition always points to world spawn, so that's easiest to find, but it's been a fun experience so far. There's a lot in this update, and some of the stuff from earlier updates, i.e. chest boats, I found I've been using more recently. Overall, I'm really happy with the 1.20 update. Thanks so much for all that you do. Zenith got lost trying to find where her chests were until she remembered that compasses exist. I think this is great because it brings in the raft with chest. And, and we were just discussing these, uh, I think, in our review of, of 1.19. And now that there's more reason to explore, and if you want to go out and do that early in the game and you don't have shulker boxes, having a boat that you can bring this extra bit of inventory with you and have it organized in a way that you can make a mobile base out of it, I think is, is a great use of them. And I would say one of the markers of a successful Minecraft update is when new features pair with previous features and breathe new life or new uses into the stuff that current players have had chance to explore already and, and maybe are now finding new use cases for, and I think that's great. I mean, for me, I'm looking forward to playing with skulk sensors and calibrated skulk sensors and the changes that those will bring to the skulk sensors because before like, well, they're cool, but I, I, I'm not sure if it's exactly gonna be able to do what I want. But now that we've got calibrated skulk sensors in 1.20, like I can see, okay, now I'm gonna have more to do in, in that light. And I'd be curious to, to hear from people in our community that are into redstone and into skulk sensors and explore those on their own first in the previous updates. And now that they have calibrated skulk sensors, once they've had some time to play with them, how are they affecting their use of other redstone? You know, that, that's been in the game either for one or two updates or forever, you know? Yeah, yeah. It's going to be a while before you hear from me on that score because I've got a long way to go before I'm dealing with <laughs> skulk of any kind, much less skulk sensors and the, the modified ones. But um, yeah, like I've been using chest boats more. I took a chest boat out to go and find all of the different biomes, different wood types, and I brought it all back in a chest boat, which was really convenient to do. Um, and so there's there's a few 
instances in which those have been popping up. When I did the, f the fishing episode that's going to come out tomorrow, I sat out on the water and fished for a couple of hours and just chucked everything that I uh, everything that I caught into the chest so that I could see the you know the contents of the chest boat was everything I had fished for that session and it didn't get mixed up with the rest of my inventory so I find, nice. them, I find them useful for like fringe things like that also if you want one mob to sit still for a while um, but you don't want to have like another mob get in the boat with them the way that happens with like you know passenger boats then a chest boat is really good for that if you just want one chicken to sit there until it lays some eggs you can capture it in a boat and you don't have to worry about a fox also getting in there and killing the chicken or something like right. that right there's there's definitely some uh, some neat options there likewise if you just want a villager to stay in place you'll probably need a regular boat if you want to transport the villager anywhere after that but if you want to avoid a zombie also gets in the boat <laughs> then there's also options like that so they have some some interesting uses, some fringe uses that I think are going to be, uh, you know, potentially good for players to explore. And I think it's just nice to have them around. I think they are cool as an option. Much like uh, Zenith was saying, loving the mosaic option for bamboo and having some stuff like that available as an option. I haven't built with any bamboo planks really yet. I've made them into signs and I've used the block of bamboo that's still green, but I haven't really broken them down into the wood texture and, and played around with that yet. So that's still to come for me. And I've had to, like I said, hold myself back from exploring too much and running out to get archaeology and smithing templates and stuff, because I feel like while those are early game activities, there's early game and there's early game, which is where I am right now, which is just setting up chests and stuff. But it's good that 1.20 is getting people exploring. I think the world has been much more worth exploring since Caves and Cliffs, and so having more excuses to go out there and find structures and encounter new terrain along the way is a very good thing. And for anybody else in our community, uh, if you're having these kind of experiences in 1.20, if you've got new ways that you're using older features in 1.20, write us, let us know. Our next email comes in from Kagan W, Suspicious Dirt and Clay. Hello, Joel and Johnny. After playing the new 1.20 update, which is amazing, by the way, I realized that trail ruins and other structures lack something that would make sense, archaeologically speaking. In the back of my mind, I was expecting there to be suspicious dirt and suspicious clay, even though I know they don't exist in the game. The question keeps bugging me. Why would remnants of an ancient people only be found in loose gravel? Should Mojang add suspicious dirt and suspicious clay? Thanks for the great podcast, Kagan. We actually talked about this a little bit on uh, the Archaeoplays and Ulraf uh, stream where we did uh, the uh, the excavation of uh, a trail ruin. Uh, we were teasing Ulraf a little bit actually about the um, the idea of of suspicious dirt, uh, and uh, he was tight lipped about it. <laughs> he yeah, didn't yeah. comment, <laughs> yeah, uh, which was... we which was fun. We were either either telling or not telling. Like there be there's no, there's nothing nothing was said. So anything that you infer is purely speculation. Uh, but I thought it was I thought it was pretty funny. We do find um, coarse dirt in those ruins as well. So um, Archaeoplace was pointing out that it seems like the coarse dirt has been added in there as a similar kind of thing to suspicious gravel, and it's potentially there as like a placeholder for a future suspicious dirt block or something like that. Personally, like my my two cents on this is that it's. A little simpler for players to understand archaeology mechanics and and if they are new or if they've been playing for a while sand and gravel don't really have a whole lot of variance like i don't really count red sand because it feels like a whole different block it's a very different color right. um, but dirt already has coarse dirt it has rooted dirt and saying nothing of all of the grass variants like podzol and mycelium and so forth so i think maybe with a couple of other dirt variants already in the game, it might have been more difficult to distinguish when something was suspicious dirt as opposed to coarse dirt. If you look at suspicious sand and gravel, they both have a similar kind of pattern indicating that they are suspicious. The texture sort of looks a little different. And I think applying that overlay to dirt blocks with how highly textured those are could potentially get a bit confusing. Clay is a different thing because there's really only one type of clay and the texture of that is very smooth like sand is. So being able to distinguish that from regular clay, it would be quite easy, I think. But I, I do think there's maybe a line they had to draw for like how many new blocks are we adding 
how much do we have to do under the hood mechanically to get all of these to have similar loot tables? Are we going to add different blocks to them? You sort of remove all of the fringe cases and choices that they have to make by simplifying it down to just suspicious gravel and suspicious sand. So I think maybe there's a an element to which simplicity meant elegance for them and it was going to make a lot more sense to just have one type of block that you were looking for instead of all of them you know um yeah but but I, I do like the idea that there is coarse dirt in these ruins very deliberately and it's because maybe you're meant to stop and think wait is this a block i need to pay more attention to test right. it with a brush and then realize yeah. no actually this is just something that i can dig up and and move on I remember asking about the coarse dirt when we were digging it up and asking if we were leaving it in place because it did feel like it was part of the trail ruin and not part of the uh, taiga biome that we were yeah. in, right? Yeah. Um, and and I think that that's a that's a good way to look at it. And I mean, there's there's two ways. Uh, I I think that it's it's been simplified. I think for the gameplay rather than being you know super true to archaeology. And I think that's that's a line that you have to have to draw i remember when suspicious sand first came out i mean the, the first thing that you and i said was like suspicious gravel suspicious dirt like is it coming yeah we got uh, one of we them. yeah up, yeah we ended up getting gravel but then what we don't have is like suspicious gravel in a situation like an ocean monument whereas we do have suspicious sand in desert temples and i think that one of the things that they have by not adding all of the suspicious like dirt gravel sand kind of variants that they could in one go is that archaeology is a game feature that can be expanded if they want in the future and mm -hmm. if there's a new building a new temple a new structure if there's if they just decide that they no longer want to have the armor trim drop from the elder guardian and they want to put it in a loot table somewhere then they have the ability to make those changes going forward and i think that 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 could be to play devil's advocate again i'm just pure speculation and and that if there is a time when adding suspicious dirt into archaeology would make sense then um then they they have the ability to do it um but it didn't it didn't either need to be done or it would just be too confusing to add all of it at once in in the kind of like launch of this new feature in minecraft the way that i was thinking about it in just kind of in the back of my head was maybe not coarse dirt because coarse dirt i agree with you would be very difficult to dis distinguish depending on how they handled the suspicious coarse dirt texture but if it was suspicious dirt and versus suspicious gravel if you if you have a trail ruin in something like a a badlands gravel is going to stick out like a sore thumb yeah right yeah. whereas suspicious dirt if it existed would be a little bit more of a game like you just like you'd really have to again slow down and take your time and if you knew that you know gravel uh wasn't going to be uh or suspicious gravel wasn't going to be as prevalent then um you you could be able to focus on what you needed to focus on but it, again it depends on where the trail ruins tend to spring up and and how how it happens i've not heard of anyone finding a trail ruin in a badlands i imagine it'd be pretty tricky it'd have to be down into the into the stone layers because there's terracotta within the trail ruin right so like you'd it'd be very difficult to distinguish it from its surroundings if that was the case I believe they are limited in where they can generate now. Mm. Initially, I thought they were only like they, they were it's sort of biome agnostic. They could appear in a lot of different places, but it seems like according to the Minecraft wiki, they are in tiger, snowy tiger, old growth tiger, old growth birch forest and jungle biomes. And that's oh, it. Okay. So, yeah. So potentially, again, they could be found in different places in future we could get variants of trail ruins for different areas but it does seem like they're they're sticking to specific biomes for the time being which is good because i think each of those needed something for maybe not the jungles because the jungles have jungle temples but like especially the tiger forests and and their variants don't really have a lot to offer aside from spruce wood and maybe podzol so i think it's nice that there are more reasons to go and visit those biomes in the first place Thinking about how often archaeological finds take place in peat bogs and stuff like that, I, I, I know there's a lot of like mummified human remains, but there's also artifacts and you know objects that are that are found there. Maybe suspicious mud, you know, maybe could be another excuse to go and visit a mangrove swamp every so often and dig up some more areas of mud. Just uh, you know, there's there's more potential uh, for exploration and expansion of this in future. The next email comes in from Leanna May with the subject of Silk Touch 2. 
Hi, Pix and Joel. I've had this idea at the back of my mind for a while, but after watching Season 3, Episode 6 of the Minecraft Survival Guide, really enjoying it, by the way, I really wanted to share this with you guys. What if there was a Silk Touch 2 enchantment that allowed you to pick up items that were unobtainable even by the regular Silk Touch enchantment? For example, Budding Amethyst, Cakes, because there's nothing worse than spending all that time making a cake only to accidentally place it on the floor, Mob Spawners, Invested Stone, Reinforced Deep Slate. Obviously, this enchantment would be insanely overpowered, the mob spawners, and so it would have to be balanced somehow. I was thinking that you would only be able to find it in chests, and it would have a rarity similar to that of enchanted golden apples. I'm really interested to hear your thoughts on this, and if you have any other ideas to do with balancing it. Love the podcast. Liana May accidentally placed her cake in a doorway and couldn't pick it up again. <laughs> That's That'll ruin a birthday, that will. I, well, ruin ruin a birthday, or like... Joel, it's your birthday. We've placed a cake in front of your front door. In order to leave, you have to you, eat your way out. Eat, eat your way through, yeah. <laughs> I, you know, like, I mean, I can eat a lot of cakes. So, I mean, that, that could be a good thing. Um, I think it, while it feels like a good idea on the surface, it's the kind of like, it makes changes to Minecraft that I would like that I would imagine would have to be very limited if it was ever available in the game. Especially when you think about something like moving mob spawners. I mean, I've seen that happen in modded minecraft um and in terms of the way that data packs function now as actually you just pointed out with that data pack from voodoo beard about the wandering trader and armor trims players often take the shortest route to success and that's just not minecraft players that's most video game players i would say and as a general kind of blanket statement um which could mean that a data pack would be likely applied to the silk touch 2 to make it easier to find uh, simply an enchantment that you would find through regular means, you know, uh, something that a librarian uh, in, in a village would, would carry. And so that takes the specialness away from it. And at that point, if you can move blocks around um, and, and do that kind of stuff, I mean, you can just play monitor, play creative modes. And I think that there's a lot of blocks in the game that don't move by design and they're meant to keep it as a game and not have it just be a block painting program. And I think that that's, that's kind of where the, the distinguished, you know, the, the difference for me comes in there in that while I use data packs and I'm not, I'm not getting on a high horse here. Like I, I do use data packs for some things. I try to keep it to the quality of life side of things and not really change like a lot of the core mechanics of the game. And don't get me wrong. I would definitely love to be able to move amethyst, budding amethyst blocks because I, I do find that not because I want to move them somewhere is more convenient or that I want to, um, I, I want more uh, of, of Amethyst blocks. It's because I want more gameplay out of geodes. Like I find the farming of Amethyst at the geode to be cumbersome and not fun in the same way that, or I guess in the opposite way, whereas when you find a spawner, it's always fun to, for me to set up a spawner. Like I like digging out the hole and the drop and you got to figure out the waterways and there's a bunch of technical stuff you want to do. And I, re I really enjoy that part of it. Whereas it's it's not as, as straightforward or it's, it's not as um, rewarding, I find, with the amethyst uh, in a geode. And so that's the kind of thing where like, I feel like that could make an adjustment to make it more fun and engaging for players and then foster more diverse gameplay. Whereas right now, there's, you just can't move them and you can't do much with them unless you're like you, the redstone stuff I've seen is just really complicated and it seems like more trouble than it's worth. So, so that's kind of where I am with, with the idea of silk touch too. It's, it's a good idea on paper, but the moment you start to get into the weeds of how do you apply it in game, it gets, it gets like, oh, it gets OP really, really quick for me. Yeah. I think instead of it being an enchantment, it needs to be a specialized tool of some kind and a tool with very limited durability. Because oh, if you can yeah. move absolutely anything you want to with a netherite pickaxe that has unbreaking and 2000 durability, then you can do it literally an infinite number of times. I think it would need to be a specialized tool has like two or three durability. So if like you misplace something, then you can pick it up again one more time but then the thing breaks, incompatible with mending, effectively like unenchantable. And that way you have a balance when it comes to geode stuff specifically with budding amethyst, you can move one or two blocks of budding amethyst and then you can set them up to be automatically farmed however you want to, whatever's convenient. But 
you'd have to go out and find more of these magical tools in order to move more of them in. So you're putting in the amount of effort that leads to enough rewards back. And then I think when it comes to spawners and stuff, I've played mod packs that have the ability to move spawners around. And honestly, I don't find myself using it all that much. And I, I don't know if I'm just not that type of player, but I, I really like fixed locations for stuff like spawners and geodes because that gives me an excuse to go somewhere other than my base. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but I do think if you wanted to have something that could move the unmovable stuff, it would really need to be very limited. And, you know, that would make it kind of in popular demand. Um, so... Yeah, potentially you're very careful about when you use it. You consider the implications of it very carefully, and and I think it's it's a lot more of a a balanced trade off at that stage. Frankly, though, with Java Minecraft in particular, I find that you tend to outpace stuff like mob spawners quite quickly yeah. by build by building like the the kind of things that. For, for most folks, I mean, most folks that I see online, which might not be like the, the broad majority of the player base, but from what I see, a lot of people understand how to build a hostile mob farm, a dark room which just spawns a bunch of mobs, kills them as fast as possible, they drop all of their drops. And so being able to move three or four skeleton and zombie spawners together later on in the game is not that much more powerful. In fact, I think the only reason that it makes sense still not to be able to do that is because those spawners don't have the mob cap has no effect on them right so it's not like it gets throttled by online activity with other players or you know it's it's not based on how many mobs the game naturally spawns in one area so in theory you could build up a lot more entities very quickly if you had like six skeleton spawners all running at once and you left them for a couple of hours but i do think there's enough reason now like that there's enough development in the technical side of the game and enough people know about it that it doesn't make zero sense to revisit the idea of the fact that you can't move mob spawners around. I think the main problem is that mechanically what happens right now is if you break a mob spawner cage or you obtain one in creative, it doesn't automatically come with the mob that's in the cage to begin with. You have to apply a spawn egg to it in order to decide what type of mob generates there. And... Like there's mechanical things like that under the hood that might make it more complicated to implement mob spawner moving. But I do think it's not that overpowered in the grand scheme of things. And especially if it was something that you had to find an ancient city to really luck into finding this object that was going to allow you to move a spawner once. <laughs> you know, I, I think there are definitely ways in which it can feel a lot less overpowered when you come to look at it that way. Um, yeah, as far as some of the other unmovable blocks, I mean, I'm fine with using that on cake if that's what you want to use it for. Maybe it's like, it's designed to be the equivalent of one of those like cake slicing kind of thing, or like a pizza stone <laughs> that you can fit under a cake all at once and then lift up. But um, yeah, I, I don't know about reinforced deep slate yet, because frankly, I don't know what the intended application of that is, if it is just meant to be a law thing or if it's going to have something in future. So moving reinforced deep slate right now could be problematic for future gameplay but uh we don't we don't know anything about that yet so maybe difficult to speculate at this point a few weeks ago we had an email about magic in minecraft and one of the things that i mentioned is that it it could be added if it wasn't part of combat like if it was more about freezing mobs or deterring mobs or distracting things and getting away or things like that this could be an example of it as well because you're talking about something that's not you know durable um, something that you're using to transport something or copy something. Um, we've talked about echo shards not having a lot of uses and and being currently not renewable. So if you're using an echo shard and you're casting of a spell that allows you to move the the spawner, just to use the spawner as an example, um, then you cast the spell, you use it once, the echo shard is gone, and that's it. You're done. You know, like I think there there could be ways like that to to go around it. I like the idea of uh, that you had of not having it be applied to an enchantment, but instead a very specific use case. I think that helps with it a lot. Yeah, 
And uh, we have one more email that we're going to save for the render distance. That's another perk you get when you become a patron. Uh, if you <laughs> listen to the render distance, occasionally we save a couple of extra emails on our chunk mail dispensers for that. So we will cover that after we're done here. But that's going to be it for this episode of The Spawn Chunks. You can find more information about the show and links to some of the stuff that we've talked about today at thespawnchunks.com. The music for the show is composed by me, and The Spawn Chunks is proud to be a listener-supported podcast. If you're getting some value out of the show, why not consider putting some value back in? Once again, you can visit patreon.com slash thespawnchunks to join our community. Pledging at any level gets you an invite to our patrons-only Discord chat. You can listen to the show live if you're around when we record it every week. And we also have a monthly Minecraft audio hangout where folks share screenshots of what they've been building in Minecraft in the last month, and we're very excited to see what everyone's been building in the 1.20 update. We are currently at 308 patrons, which is the same number we had last week, so we'd love to add at least one to that number this week. Special thanks go out to our content engineers, Hunter555, Jumbo Sale, Party Voyager, and Yitz. Thank you all for your support on this episode. Sharing the podcast with your friends is the easiest way to support the show. You can find us at The Spawn Chunks on Twitter and Instagram. Personal recommendations are by far the best way to share the podcast. Just poke a friend in the arm from a safe distance and let them know that they can listen on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or even YouTube. Be sure to leave a rating and a review on your favorite platform. It helps us reach new listeners. You can email the show at spawnchunkmail at gmail.com. The RSS feed is linked at thespawnchunks.com. And the patron-only RSS feed is on the Patreon page. That's where you can listen to the Render Distance, the extended version of the podcast. My name is Johnny, but online I go by Pixorifs. You can find most of what I do at youtube.com slash where the Minecraft Survival Guide is currently going strong in its third season. I stream three days a week on Twitch, and I've just started doing streams from the Survival Guide world, so join in if you want to see some of the behind-the-scenes stuff that goes into making these videos. I'm also the voice of the unofficial Hermitcraft recap, which you can find through a quick YouTube search. And aside from that, I'm at Pixorifs on both Twitter and Instagram. Joel, where can people find you online? Everything I'm up to online is at joelduggan.com. That includes links to the Citadel Cafe podcast, my other show about fantasy and sci-fi entertainment. You can follow me at Joel Duggan on social media and Joel Duggan on Twitch, where I stream every day. But Monday, we've got uh, Satisfactory on Wednesday, Lego on Friday, and then Minecraft the rest of the time. And we're trying to finish up Westell over the next few weeks. So uh, come on over and check it out. Thanks for visiting the Spawn Chunks. The world outside is infinite, and some of it will fit in a chest boat. (laughs) 